Welcome, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Monday, March 6, 2023. This is episode 519 of Trek Talking. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. And this is one of our uh, breaking news type of shows. And in case you hadn't heard, Star Trek Discovery is being ended after the fifth season. And we're going to be talking about that in great length tonight. Uh, phone number here is 646-668-2433. We would love to hear from you guys and hear your thoughts about what's going on and maybe why you think that decision was made. I've been doing some research on the Internet, and I have some interesting facts about streaming services versus broadcast television, which I'm going to share with you guys. And I think that a lot of that's going to clear up what's been flying around the Internet in regards to discovery. But before we dive in and start talking about that, I want to go around and introduce to you guys my awesome Trek Sports. Now, unfortunately, Charles couldn't join us, so it's just going to be myself from up here in snowy old Vermont and my Portland trifecta. And we'll start off with David, the donut guy. How you doing tonight, David? Ah, pretty good, pretty good. Don't have donuts, though, so uh, everything else is pretty good, though. Pretty good. Well, that's good. That's good. And we also <laughs> have with us Eric. How you doing tonight, Eric? I'm doing well. We have a little bit of an ominous cloud layer rolling in. Let's see what happens here, but uh, I'm not afraid. No, it's, it's all actually kind of normal. Yeah, it's all good. And We're not an independent day at all. No, <laughs> not at all. No, definitely not. We don't need Doctor. <laughs> Wrapping up our trifecta from Portland, we have our very own Paul, the toy guy slash wine guy. How you doing tonight, Paul? I think I'm okay, man. Apologies for the poor connection. I'm hoping you can still hear me okay. Oh, absolutely. Loud and clear. Loud and yeah, clear. Yeah. Great. So we're gonna be talk we're gonna be talking about Star Trek Discovery tonight. And um I wanna talk a little bit about Discovery and then we're gonna talk a little bit about in the second half about the decision that was recently made by Paramount Plus to end it after the fifth season. So uh, for those of you who don't know, Discovery was the flagship series for, uh, at the time, CBS All Access. When Paramount was trying to get into the streaming wars, and they started CBS All Access. And Star Trek Discovery was the show that brought the Trekkies on board. There was a lot of problems at the rollout of Star Trek Discovery. And the biggest one is that CBS All Access was a very, very small streaming service at the time and did not have international licensing or access. So what they did was they signed a contract with Netflix. So when Discovery first aired outside the United States of America, you would watch it on Netflix. And back at that time, it was running around $6 million an episode. And Netflix was picking up most of that, of that bill because Paramount was part of CBS All Access was putting all their money into getting the streaming service up and running and getting all the international licenses that were needed. So uh, Discovery was airing every Thursday night like it does now on Paramount Plus, and then on Fridays on Netflix uh, and the rest of the world, not, not the rest of the world, but the parts of the world that could get it. As I said, there was a lot of problems rolling out Discovery in the beginning. 
And there were a lot of places that didn't have access to Netflix, didn't have licensing agreements and whatnot. So there were a lot of parts of the country or the globe, I should say, that didn't get to see Discovery at first. And that was unfortunate. And we talked about it on the podcast many, many times. But now that Paramount Plus is in the picture, uh, they've been rolling out uh, Paramount internationally. And I do believe that the majority of the viewing markets now have full access to Paramount Plus, as far as I know. There might be a few areas where it hasn't fully reached, but for the most part, I think just about everybody has full access to Paramount Plus, which brings me briefly to Star Trek Picard. When Star Trek Picard premiered, the Netflix deal that they had had gone away, so they signed an agreement with, um, with Hula, and Paramount Plus would allow them to show Picard on Hulu for people that didn't have access to Netflix or Paramount Plus at the time. I think, I think somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that if you're outside of the continental U.S., I think you can still catch Picard on Hulu, I think. Um, uh, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure about Hulu, but I do know that Paramount is not yet available every single place. Uh, I know that places like Australia, Canada, Germany, Italy, Latin America, and the Middle East, and then uh, way up north, like in the Sweden area, the Nordics and stuff, and the UK and Ireland, they all definitely have access to Paramount Plus, but I'm not sure it's entirely global. So there's, you know, you got to check out your local market because I still think there are some deals sort of lingering yeah, there are some, so it's it's hard to say, but the point I'm making is deal lingering is the important part of this conversation that we're going to swing back to later. So at any rate, that's the history of Star Trek Discovery and, and Picard. And the reason why I bring them up is because Picard is ending after this season, three seasons, and it's over. Discovery was just canceled. I'm not, wait, I don't want to use the word canceled. It was ended. Ended, ended after season five. And that was after it had already been finished, filmed, and done. It was in the can, and it was supposed to premiere after Picard. And now we have to wait a whole year before we can see it. And they're going back. Um, Anthony Rapp said that now they're going back in the studios to refilm it. And so I get the impression that they're going to end the series. So now they're going back in refilming scenes or adding scenes or changing scenes, whatever, to give it a proper ending that wasn't originally intended to happen. In the meantime, Paramount Plus has merged with Showtime, and this is creating all kinds of ripples in the streaming world as well. So there's a lot going on behind the scenes of Star Trek as we know it. The biggest misconception that I really want to get out of the way is people are celebrating the end of Discovery. Um, and they're, they're jumping up and down for joy. It wasn't real Star Trek. It was too woke. I mean, I've heard it all. And this is the reason why the show is being ended. So that is completely false. That is just not true. And I will get around to explaining that to everybody why in a little bit. Um, popularity of shows when you're dealing with streaming shows 
has nothing to do with the popularity or the success of the show. You could have the most successful, popular show on a streaming service, and they're still going to end it. And there's reasons why. We'll get to that. But I just wanted to say that, in my opinion, I feel that Star Trek Discovery is perhaps the what's the word I want to use? The closest thing to Gene Roddenberry's original vision for Star Trek, the original series back in the sixties. And the reason why I say this is because we had Uhura on the bridge, a black woman during the height of the civil rights movement. We had an Asian on the bridge when we had people that were still feeling the pain of world war II, the Korea war, the Vietnam conflicts were still going on at the time. We had a Russian on the bridge during the height of the Cold War. So there was all kinds of things going on. And every time you turned on your TV and watched Star Trek, you saw these people on the bridge. And that was a representation that in the future we get past all of these things. And to me, that's the message behind Star Trek. It's not the uniforms. It's not the ships. It's not the way the Klingons look. It's none of this stuff. It's basically, you know, the infinite diversity and infinite combinations. That, to me, is what Star Trek is all about. That's the core of it, is equality, diversity, respect. That's what it's all about, acceptance. Now, Discovery comes along, and what they do with um, – oh, we got Charles with us. What they did with Discovery is for somebody like me who's just a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant male that I am – when I and Eric will contest to this, uh, I'm so ignorant and out of touch with what's going on in the world that when I heard that they were going to have a binary character on Star Trek, what did I think, Eric? What was my first thought as a Star Trek fan? Uh, Jim, you confused binary and binar, and it was embarrassing. I thought that <laughs> the, the binars from the TNG episode 1100101. And I was all excited about that. That's how much I knew. And so what Discovery has done is Discovery has brought a lot of ideas and a lot of things to the forefront that a lot of people may not be aware of. And I think that's great, particularly for people like me that don't know. We're losing you again, Eric. We had you, and then we lost you. (laughs) You were there, and now you're not. <laughs> That's weird. I was but, wondering if discover if you felt discovery has actually educated people in that regard. It it, it has for me, and I also think that discovery yeah. has done has done a lot for the LGBTQ plus community in the fact that we had a plethora of characters on Star Trek Discovery that were actually characters and not stereotypes. And I think that's important as well. And there was one scene in particular, which we talked about on the podcast where uh, Adira is working on some math problem in engineering and Michael Burnham comes down and says, well, how long will it take her to complete it? And Stamis says, well, she's pretty good with math. It, it shouldn't be long. And Michael Burnham says, great and leaves. And Adira turns to Stamets and says, um, it's they. And Stamets says, excuse me? She says, you said her, and I prefer they. And it was that one simple, that one little, little, you know, conversation between the two of them is all it took 
And Samus was just like, okay, fine, cool, end of story. And a lot of people say that Discovery beats you over the head with it. They force it down your throat. Uh, and that's just not true, in my opinion, because being a member of the LGBTQ plus community is not a stamp on your forehead. Like on TOS, they didn't need to say, look, Ahura is black. Look, Chekhov's a Russian. Look, Sulu is Asian, because it was a fit you could tell by looking at them. They're on the bridge. You knew it. But when you have members of the LGBTQ plus community, you don't know it unless you're told it. And I don't call that beating you over the head with it. That's just a fact. You know, Jet Reno is a great chief engineer, and I think a lot of people would agree she's a great character on Discovery. So, and of course, we have Michael Burnham, who is a black female captain. So the fact that they chose to end Discovery, um, you know, is being taken, I think, the wrong way. You know, they're getting rid of it because it's too woke. And that just isn't. And uh, does any of my truck spurts want to jump in here and say anything? I mean, I'll just say that I don't think I, – I agree with you. I do not think that Discovery is being canceled because it is too woke. I will say that from my standpoint, I'm disappointed that it is going away because I do think that it was doing some things that other – that currently is doing maybe, but like in a more subtle way. Um, I just think it was really important to have, you know, somebody like Michael Burnham evolve from a character who starts the series in prison uh, all the way up to the captain of the ship based on her merits, based on the abilities that she actually has and, you know, not based on anything that uh, is is artificially uh, detrimental, you know, because of rules or because of things that she shouldn't have done. I mean, Michael Burnham, to me, is a character that does what is right, just in the same way that James T. Kirk is a character that often did what was right, right? He would break the rules and go against Starfleet protocols and that kind of stuff to do the thing that was right, and Michael Burnham is no different. She does it with a different face. She does it with a different flair. The actress actually does it with a different delivery, and I do think the delivery has to do with it, and we can do more into that later in the podcast. But uh, to me, like, if you want to talk about shows that should be representing different groups of people, Star Trek is right up there, and it has done a hell of a job, and Discovery is definitely the flagship in that regard. I, I, I completely, completely agree. And something else while we're talking about Michael Burnham is the fact that, yes, she's a black female captain, absolutely, but she's totally different. Well, we only have one example, really, to to look at, and that's Captain Janeway. Um, She's written totally different than Captain Janeway was written, Captain Janeway being written in the 90s and Michael Burnham being written today. And one of the biggest things that I hear fans complain about is that on Discovery, it's like um, it's like a giant jam session of sharing our feelings. And to me, I take issue with that particularly um, because, for me, I think it makes these characters seem more realistic and more believable and more relatable 
when they have emotions and they actually, you know, we see them. And I don't mind that at all. I think that's a very progressive stance to take. And so well, I it's not only and Jim and Jim, it's not only. I mean, you could you could say progressive. I I would use the word healthy. I mean, I think these days, it's a little different as back in the 90s. I think these days people are paying more attention to things like mental health. They're paying more attention to things like their feelings because they they realize that we're not just all machines and that we're just all going through the motions and that you know things like our emotions and our relationships with other people actually affect how we interact in the world. And, and so to me, every was a, was a totally new breath of fresh air because it brought a level of emotional intensity to Star Trek that had not been there before. Honestly. I mean, you, you look at the other series of the time, you know, people think that discovery is way out of whack. Well, you know, look at series like The Expanse and things like that that were around before, or, you know, you you could compare Discovery to any number of dramatic shows and say, hey, even before Discovery, television was taking this turn towards making sure that people were more in touch with their emotions, making sure that people actually acted with more than just um, sort of vaudevillian flair. I mean, I'm not trying to diminish William Shatner, but like, you know, there's a certain sophistication to to acting these days that may or may not have been present in the past. So to me, Discovery kind of brought all that to the fore and showed a new type of Star Trek that was completely consistent with, you know, any sort of quote Roddenberry vision that you want to ascribe to, but more importantly, like represented the, the stories of the times, which I think Star Trek has always done. And I, I also think that Star Trek, uh, in particularly, well, all Star Trek, but, but Discovery in particular, gives members of society that feel left behind or invisible an opportunity to be seen. And you know, and when they're watching Star Trek, say, "Look, look, I make it. I'm there. I'm in the future. There I am." And that's very, very important. I, I feel. Um, so yeah, Jim. And, I, you, and I, can I just can I make a, oh, go, ahead, go ahead, Paul. Paul. Go ahead, Paul. No, no, go go for it. Go for it. Well, I was just, I'll just say one thing relative to that. There have been a lot of memes going around about, uh, 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 sorry, Sneak, whatever the guy was, Picard season three, the Ferengi dude, and comparing him to Discoveries, right? And I think people are forgetting things related to what Jim was just talking about, which is that the Ferengi that we saw in Discovery was likely a mixed race character, right? And in this 32nd century future that we propel ourselves into in seasons three and four, we're likely seeing a lot of that going on, which is not unlike some of the trends that we see in our own country and that I think the world is seeing in a lot of different countries. And that that kind of like um, bringing together of cultures and bringing together of looks and skin tones and shapes of ears and nose ridges and all that kind of stuff really, really interesting. And to me, Discovery is the show that really represented that more than any other show we've seen so far. Yeah, absolutely. And look at President Rillick. She's a Bajoran and Cardassian uh, mix, right? Yeah, and human. Three three, three races, yeah. 
So, Paul, go yeah. ahead. What were you going to say? Okay. No, I was just going to say, um, uh, you know, it's a lot of it has to do, I think, with, and, and I think it's a mistake to uh, process what's going on through the lens of social media reactions. Okay, because it's a very warped lens and it doesn't really reflect reality very much at all. I mean, we're we're reacting to it here today, and because there is a extremely vocal and petulant uh, demographic of fans that uh, would cheer the end of Discovery the same way they'd cheer a new movie from Lenny Riefenstahl, doesn't necessarily mean that you know, that's why the show you know isn't continuing. I think you know, it's you know. I agree. Discovery really uh, was a rare beast and was trying to do a lot of really cool things and was really, in some ways, ahead of its time, right? But it ran into a lot of, you know, unfortunate variables all at once. There was tremendous excitement when the show first came out, right? I mean, tremendous excitement, and people were, were very much on board right away. But the show went through several different reinventions of itself, right? If you look at what the show's like now compared to what it was like during the first season or two, it looks like a different series almost entirely in terms of the character dynamics. Michael Burnham doesn't seem anything like she used to be at the beginning of the show, right? She's changed dramatically and that's okay, but I think it really confused a lot of fans, right? And then I think there were two other happened simultaneously at the same time that Discovery's trying to find its footing, right? It had the, uh, the unfortunate luck of coming into being during its, you know, mid-gestation of one of the most divisive periods in modern American history there is, channeled by social media, right? And when this whole nonsensical, preposterous bit of uh, propaganda, the whole anti-woke crusade began, right? And, and people basically, you know, I mean, I mean, it's a whole thing we can get into, and I don't really feel like wasting any more oxygen on it now, but just – but. So many people decided, oh, wow, this is my chance to be uh, – I found something that embodies all the stuff I'm intolerant of. I'm going to start, you know, sodcasting about it. And, of course, when that happens, it makes it seem like your numbers and your voice are far, far, far louder than they actually are, right? And so that ended up getting into the mix, too. And we're seeing it now in terms of, like, you know, people wearing a dread dress to the funeral, right, in terms of – the fan reaction on here, which is best ignored, really. I mean, there's no convincing these people of anything other than what they think. Um, the best you can do is is defend the show for what it is, but there's no changing their mind at all. What I think Discovery really, unfortunately, ran into was, at the end of the day, it's show business, right? I mean, it really is. It is incredibly expensive proposition to make a show like this, okay? And when you look at the last season of Discovery, watch those last couple episodes, in particular the, uh, the, the season finale, the one that just ended, right? That is a phenomenal looking, every dime is up on the screen. I mean, that looks like an incredibly expensive show. I mean, they're showing futuristic Starfleet, futuristic vehicles. It's just out of control. It looks like a really expensive show. And I think that what happened is they were doing their show. They were, they were going about their business, reinventing themselves again. Here we are in the, you know, the, an even more future uh, history than we were previously, as opposed to present tense where the show started out. And then at the same time, while they're in the middle of doing that, launches 
a strange new world. Okay, and Discovery just could not compete in the populist, lowest common denominator audience that show. Cheap seats, I mean, I love Strange New World, but it's so plain to the cheap seats and the old school fans, right? I mean, it really, really is. It's much more stealthy about getting its messaging in than uh, than Discovery is, and they really, uh, it, it was just tough to compete. I mean, in terms of every metric you want to look at, in terms of a business, right? Strange New World is outperforming Discovery at every single turn. And if you're a great big entity and trying to decide what to write check for, and you're looking at like, okay, we've had this show on for four years, coming up on five, it's just not connecting. It's just not, you know, uh, with a mass audience, you know, as far as to like a, a very narrow, appreciative, you know, uh, unusual audience that has this, this scope to expect that stuff, I think it connects really well. But mainstream, big, mass quantity of fans, it's, it's struggled, as opposed to Strange New World, which is shot out of a cannon right away and found a huge audience and was able to really compete with, you know, really popular shows like, like Stranger Things and, and other, you know, other shows that are just, you know, ridiculously popular. So you add all those things together, and it's just like, you know, looking at it as a business and the folks who are writing the checks for this thing, it's just – they figured, okay, you've had five years. You know, in fact, I think at Paramount Plus, they feel they're being generous. They're letting them have that last season to, to write things out and go out on a good note, whereas a lot of other, like Netflix, making this show, it wouldn't be, you know, season five. They're, they're doing that to shows left and right now. They just pull the plug and say, oh, good try. <laughs> it's like the bad news bears. But they're giving them a fifth season, which is really remarkable because I think one of the things we see now with streamers, Jim's talking about streamers and trends that we see on here, right, is you see the same thing happening over on Disney with, uh, with the Star Wars franchise, right? It is almost a largesse of, of, of talent, of riches, if you will. And you get to the point, right, you have, you know <sighs> – I, I think it's what I would call franchise fatigue. You can only have so many. I mean, they're going ridiculous with too many Star Wars shows right now. You know, whereas before I was really looking forward to Ahsoka as a series, you know, a year ago. Now I'm like, I don't know. I think you maybe, you know, you've tried to get too much milk out of a cow. And, and I think the fan community at some point, they're not going to love everything. Back on things that they just don't resonate with. And I think that's unfortunately what happened over here. It's all we can do sometimes on this show is to keep up. I mean, there's, there's uh, you know, what, five different iterations of Star Trek right now that are out there. I think, I think it's up to five. I mean, it's so easy to lose count, right, of, of, in various stages of development. Will we get a Section 31 show? Will there be more Prodigy? We don't really know, and it's just crazy. So I think it's tough, and I think that, you know, uh, big entities like Star Trek, big entities like Star Wars, you be careful that they don't, flood the market with too much product because when these shows cost as much as they do, unless they really manage to resonate, if you're an expensive streamer like Paramount Plus, you know, you hire what you think are good people, but you're kind of at the end of the day throwing spaghetti at the wall waiting to see which one sticks, which one resonates, which one really seems like it's finding that sweet spot between uh, a longevity of storytelling and franchise potential and marketing. And right now, that's strange new world. You know, I love well, discovery. What, it's fascinating, but but what, the gap is I've got some. I've got. I have some facts 
that play right into what you just said that we're going to talk about in just a minute. But we do have a caller on the line, which I'm going to try to get my thing to connect to if it will. Good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Oh, uh, my name's Frank. Uh, I'm calling from uh, Jersey City, New Jersey. Hi, Frank. And Welcome I'm, to the show. I only have a, a couple moments left that I can spare, so I just okay. want to throw this thought out. Um, uh, we were talk- You were talking a lot about the development of Michael Burnham, and it's interesting to make the comparison with the original series Uhura. If you follow the history of the character... If you follow the history of the character, you see that the character goes through a bit of a development. Like there's one episode where she's actually called upon to take the helm, to take uh, Chekhov's position, or what would become Chekhov's position when the crewman on there gets knocked out. And you also saw the, the beginnings of a romance arc between her and Spock. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the development not only stops, but for the rest of the series, she's pretty much just relegated to, you know, hailing frequencies open. Mm. And it's important, and there's a context behind that. There is a reason why the actress wanted to leave the show, because there was actually a groundswell of hostility to the character. The same way, the, the same groundswell that developed against Sinaqua Green. You didn't have the internet to, magne- to, uh, to act as a giant magnaphone, but that hostility had the impact of curtailing the development of that character. It's also remembered that back in the day, Star Trek was watched by both Martin Luther King and Richard Nixon, two very disparate personalities. And what we have here is a reminder is that the Star Trek community is not of a piece. They're not actually unified by a single set of ideals. In fact, quite a few of them hold very opposing ideals. I mean, it's one of the reasons I walked out of the fan culture way back then. I mean, I watch the shows, but I no longer claim to be a fan of them because I'm tired of fan culture. I really have had my, I'm really, I'm really full of it. And that, so I, I, I watch the shows for what they are, but I understand, you see, to a fan, to a fan, the shows become a tribal phenomenon. I never want to be part of that again. Mm. You know, it's, it's that a great uh, observation, I think. And I, I've opened, you know, people's sort of um, uh, loyalty to franchises like this to almost like a religion, you know, and I don't that's a bad thing necessarily. I think it needs to find their own moral compass where they find it, uh, whether it's through inspiration of different, you know, types of art that may be television or music or, or whatever. Um, but I, but I think that people have inspiration for that sort of thing. Um, yeah, very interesting point relative to Uhura and, and her participation in the beginning. So to me, that's one of the things that, that is, sad about the the sort of passing of discovery i'll call it because to me there's not another show on uh on the air right now star trek wise that's doing the same thing i mean you you've 
Strange New Worlds, which I do not deny is an awesome show. It's doing things in different ways, but it, it has a different flavor. It has a different cast. It has a different, uh, you know, the passing of discovery. The passing of discovery to me signals that the development of Trek culture has pretty much reached its zenith. Yeah, and it's now pretty much basically put in the way. And I don't see, I don't see it, I don't see a resumption. I don't see it getting that bold again within my lifetime. I think, I mean, yeah. Star Trek will produce shows that I can enjoy, but with the passing of Discovery, I no longer expect anything of the shows that come out. I, I mean, completely agree. I will with you. enjoy. Yes, it was bold. I will, I will enjoy the shows for what they have. I mean. Anson Mount brings a lot of value to the role. This Pike is a very, this Pike is also a very different iteration of Pike than Jeffrey Hunter's Pike. But it, but yeah, I think it's the time for expectations. It's over. I mean, a lot of it also has to do with what's going on with streaming. The time for big money spending is also over. Um, what's going on with Discovery is also part of what's going on with streaming altogether. The bean counters are taking a look at the money that's being bled, bled out, and, they're, and they're, they're calling a stop to it. And we are lucky with what's going on with season five, because you, you, did you hear of the Batgirl movie? You know, the Batgirl movie was done. It's finished. It's in the can. It will never be shown. It's, been, it's, it's deliberately being shelved for tax purposes, and that could have happened with season five, too. They could have had it shot in the can and never shown it. They don't think, however, that the the it still has a uh, enough popularity that canning it for tax purposes is not something we're going to see. But it could have happened. That could have been a plausible outcome. That the season could have been made and never shown because wow. of tax purposes. Wow. Well, thank goodness. Well, let's get to. Yeah, I I, I do have. I do have some things that I wanted to, which I think we need to talk about real briefly right here. I've been doing some research on the internet about streaming services versus syndication. Back in the day, they wanted to get the seven seasons, their hundred plus episodes, go to syndication. Boom. That was done. And that's why we saw TNG, which could have gone on longer, but didn't deep space nine and Voyager. all get to that magic plateau. And that, doesn't happen anymore with streaming. And after doing some research, here's some facts that I found out that I'm going to share with you guys right now. Mm -hmm. So the average show for a streaming series now lasts between three and four seasons as a whole. Um, If they Mm -hmm. can get a show to stream for three or four seasons, considered a success. The definition of success in streaming is no longer longevity like Seinfeld or Friends. That's not what they what determines uh, success in a streaming. There's series. a very good reason for that. There's a very good reason. There's just so much more material. Star Trek closes in 1969. They go into a syndication package. What stations were looking for filler material, because again, you know, that's one thing about failed series is that they can be obtained cheaply. There was a lot less to choose from. There was a lot less to choose from compared to the situation you now have six decades later. Not only are there people, not only is there more to choose from, but the viewer is no longer shackled to a local station's viewing schedule. You know, if you were going to watch Star Trek in 1972, 
in New York City, you were going to watch it when WPIX uh, turned it on, unless you taped all those series yourself. Now the viewers actually have more choice, and there's a crap ton more to choose from. You know, you've got all these other series that have been produced since then. You have all these other series and other genres that have been produced since. The, the well is thick, so the, you can't... So the Trekkies had no choice. All they had to watch was Star Trek, maybe Lost in Space, or, or, or Twilight Zone, or Outer Limits, and that was it. But now the choices are bigger. There's a lot more to choose from. You know, someone could be binging on Firefly episodes for the 11th time. Or Farscape, or Blake Seven, or Doctor Who. That's another thing. I mean, if you thought the reaction to Michael Burnham was severe, you should have seen what happened when BBC cast a female doctor. Jodie Whittaker, yeah. Right. I mean, you know, they, they, the, 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 uh, a lot of the viewers there went nuclear. And yeah. now, uh, I'm waiting to see what's going to happen when you know the fifteenth doctor now that they, they they've given everybody a bit of an injection of David Tennant when Tennant passes and the uh, and the next guy comes along it all be uh, you know the, the fireworks are going to be pretty intense I think Absolutely. so Martha Jones well, had the same reaction in a lot of ways I think just the last thing I want to say, if there is anything that a, uh, that a Trek poster could do as a public service, is to banish these three words from their repertoire. Gene Roddenberry's vision. Yeah, thank you. The, the things that were positive about Star Trek came from people other than Gene. The female characters that were hosted in the original series were the people he was sleeping with at the time. Uh, and, and, uh, and again, the idea, uh, and when it came to his actual own original ideas, some of them were really bonkers. Like the idea that in TNG's Society of Perfect Humans, children would never mourn their parents. Yeah, that's messed up. I think, I think, I think, I think the poster who banishes that phrase is doing a public service for the culture. Would All right. I was. It was great talking with you guys. Thank you um, for calling. All right. And uh, maybe we'll speak again. Take care. Yeah. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Thanks for calling. So uh, for subscription services, for subscription-based services, the goal um, of any given series isn't to attract the highest numbers of viewers. The aim is to maximize subscriptions, a metric that can be certainly related to and it shows specific popularity, but only one factor among the many, which include how many of the show's viewers are new subscribers lured in by its availability, how does the show's allure to new subscribers diminish over time, and how many existing subscribers would be upset by the show's cancellation that they would leave the platform in protest. Those are the three factors that a streamer looks at when developing a show, continuing a show, or ending a show, um, which I think we're seeing right now with Discovery and the fact that is Discovery attracting more new people? Is Are the people that are already watching Discovery all it's going to get? And if they cancel, if they stop Discovery, 
is there enough other Star Trek to keep people on Paramount Plus? Those are the three factors that are determining Discovery's being ended. Um, another factor is a show's audience relatively fixed. The cost of a fourth season to satisfy an existing fan base is likely better spent on brand new shows catering to a different niche of fandom. Again, this is where Discovery comes in because, as Paul alluded to earlier, Strange New World is a completely different show than, than, say, Discovery. It's even different than Picard. It's different than Lower Decks. It's different than Prodigy. So the shows that we have left on Paramount Plus are now catering to a different niche audience, and that's what streamers are looking for. And when a network show passes a certain threshold, typically about 100 episodes, it becomes eligible to be leased out to secondary outlets at extravagant syndication fees. And that's something that streamers don't get to do. However, if you recall at the top of the show, I was talking about Netflix and Hulu. And I found this interesting fact out. Netflix contracts with outside studios are often structured to include massive payouts after a third or fourth season to offset the loss of syndication fees. In practice, however, this becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, disincentivizing streamers from getting that far past the fourth season. And that right there is the biggest point I want to make, because Star Trek Picard, as popular as it is, will end at the third season because if they go beyond the third season, they have to pay. Same thing with Discovery. Discovery passed that fourth season threshold with Netflix, and I think Frank may have been correct. I think they may have pulled season five so they wouldn't have to pay Netflix, but they decided to be nice to us fans, five on, but in doing so, they're going to have to pay Netflix for the original contract agreement that they reached. So in the end, basically what I want to say is that Discovery is not being ended because there's no fans. It's not being ended because it's too woke. It's not being ended for any of these ridiculous reasons that you hear the haters preaching. It's being ended because of the original service contract that they had with Netflix in the beginning, that they would only anything beyond four seasons and they would have to pay Netflix the syndication fees. And that's where we are right now. They've decided that they only want to pay for one season, which is season five, and then they're going to end it. And I have a suspicion that you're going to see all of the other Star Trek series like Strange New Worlds, Lower Decks, and Prodigy fall into that exact same category. We might see four seasons, but I doubt that we'll see a fifth because then these contracts kick in. And what does it all come down to? Money. That's what it's all about. It's not about the popularity of the show. It's not about the fans. It's about the money. So they want to give money, 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 money. money. They want to give us different shows. And I think, in my opinion, that's why we may actually see a Section 31 Wharf Rafi spinoff, because that would be different from Strange New Worlds, and it would be different from the two animated series. And I think that's also why we may actually see a Starfleet Academy with Tilly, because, again, that's different than Section 31 would be and Strange New Worlds would be. 
And as I said earlier in the article there, streamers are looking to attract a different niche community. That's what they're after. So if they feel that they can attract different people than they already have with a different show, that's where they're going to go. So that's my spiel. And, and I, think, I think we still have Charles. Charles, are you still there? I'm still here. So what do you think? Okay, stuff we picked up from the series. We had some interesting character development. I think it was saying, oh, Michael Burnham just changed. No, I think there was a character development that went in there. But we also had an interesting development that we haven't had since really TOS. When have we had a bridge member that was an alien species that we got to learn about? Look at what we look at the look at the character development we've set Saru through in changing and actually changing the character itself. That may be a little more heavy on some fans. But I think he was the one that went through a lot of character development. As we saw the very weakly character. And yet he became a very powerful and strong character. He and his people realized how much how much they were slaves. And how much they got a chance to grow in believing in themselves. And we learned later on that the society actually did grow very quite a bit. <clears throat> but that made him a very interesting character. We had time spent in the alternate universe, mirror universe, and got to see some interesting details about the mirror universe. It rather sparked off uh, a lot of stuff outside the series. A lot of comics. IDW got very deep into the mirror universe because of what Discovery did with their mirror universe. So I think it took us the right direction, but I can see where Jim talks about the money. Okay, we're going to get more, are we going to get more fan, more subscribers because of season five? Well, you got a few subscribers that kind of come in and out depending on what series is running. But I guess I could see the fact that, no, they may not get as many subscribers, new people, new money, trying to get in with more seasons. Well, let's go ahead and leave that one off, and let's try something new. But how many fans? You may lose a few fans for the fact of saying, oh, but I really one to keep us what discovery was doing but we can't do it with the new format of streaming services so yeah i could see where kind of the money the money trail is a problem and yeah. uh well, the thing is they they talk about oh the the constant run it's like 
I'm sorry, after three 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 years three seasons of strange of Stranger Things over on Netflix, I got the point I didn't see the fourth season. It just came so I just couldn't get deep into it. I look at Disney and it's like Okay, yeah, they got all these Star Wars stuff going on, but we do admit the fact that Star Wars was doing a movie every year. And those movies stopped because they realized, I think they kind of realized they'd gone too many movies. They'd stretch it too far. I mean, looking at Disney, it's like, okay, yeah, you're running more, lots of Star Wars, Star Trek, Star Wars series over there, but give me the series that I'm interested in it. I haven't kept up with the last two, but you bring back Mandalorian, and I will jump over and watch Mandalorian because I've willing to follow and keep going with what that one's doing. So they kind of have to work on their audience and see where their audience is. And I guess they feel in Discovery, they just don't have the audience that's going to support the money trail. And we move on to something new. Well, it's not the audience. That's what Jim was saying. It's the it's the, the contract. Yeah. Yeah, it's the contracts, right. right. And, but the, and but the thing pretty, is, you start. But I also wonder, it's like, but when we do all these contracts and all this stuff, sure, you can come up with more new shows. But are those more new shows going to keep the fan base going? And I think, Charles, I think the big, the, the big, Thing, and of the reason hinging this back to Star Wars again is that each one of the shows, and Alex Kurtzman said this, they want each show has to be different, and right now they are. You know, you have Picard, which is really, really on the Yeah, you know, Picard. Jim, Jim, we need. Let's be really honest. Connection. Right, yeah, and then you have like. Go ahead. Go ahead, Eric. No, I was just, I was just gonna say that like let's be honest like what we so we we've got the clock is ticking. We have one season left of Discovery. Discovery gives us a certain flavor of Star Trek. Get anywhere else, and so if if CBS slash Paramount wants to actually continue diversity of their shows, they will find another show that fills the niche that Discovery is going to leave behind, right? Because we have Strange New World, which has a different type of captain, and I'm not going to comment on its wokeness or its not wokeness, but I will say that the captain is a white male, and that gives us a different kind of like just general approach to the series. We have Lower Decks, which is a nostalgic you know, comedic series, which I freaking love, and also it has its own limitations. We have Prodigy, which is 
good show, but is also awesome, but has its limitations. So we need another show that pushes the limits of where Star Trek can take us. Because honestly, guys, like I love Star Trek, and I will always love Star Trek. And you could, I'm probably more guilty than anybody saying I'm going to love it because of Star Trek. But it's got to push the limit a little bit, or it just becomes benign, right? It becomes that I don't really care about because there's so much content out there. If it's not pushing the limits, why am I going to watch it? And that, that I would that you, you read my that was the point I was going to make with the Star Wars series. That's exactly yeah. that you you read my that's exactly where I was going with it. Is that Star Trek needs to push that envelope? That's what always made Star Trek Star Trek and to give us more Star Trek for the sake of giving us Star Trek goes against all the things that I mentioned that streamers are looking for. They're looking for something that's going to bring in new subscriptions. They can't bring in new subscriptions with the same old show. It needs to be different. It needs to be something that's not already there. And more importantly, it needs to be something that they feel is going to attract somebody who may be a Disney subscriber and isn't happy with all the Star Wars, and they see this, and they bop over there. So you're you're 100% correct, Eric. They got to give these – we're going to see two new shows, and they have to be different than what we already have. Otherwise, why bother? Why, right? Yeah. Right? Why? Yeah. Why? If you're just going to make the same show again, don't. Don't bother. Yeah, yeah and know? I'm not and – I, and I definitely <laughs> – be careful to not poo-poo uh, people who are in Star Trek for nostalgia. Like, I recognize that there is a whole lexicon of people who love Star Trek franchises for different reasons. Like, some people Star Trek because it pushes the limits, and some people want to watch Star Trek because it brings them comfort. You know, when you watch an episode of Star Trek, it feels like eating a bowl of mashed potatoes. <laughs> it just feels really comfortable and really nice, right? Um, so I want to make sure that like that was Alex Kurtzman's whole vision for the new world of Star Trek was that he, they would be able to produce Star Trek that actually reached out and grabbed people who not only previously loved the franchise but also didn't connect with the franchise before for whatever reason, maybe representation number one, and they would bring those people into the fold. And for goodness sake, we need to keep doing that. We need to keep them Angel, the the period is not enough on Strange New Worlds to bring trans community into Strange uh, into Star Trek. Right? We need more of that. Like, I just want more of everything, and I feel like that's the that's the American way. That's the that's what we crave. We crave more diversity, more of everything, because we love to gorge on our media. Well, I will say, I I will say this. I love Star Trek, and I always have. But Discovery is my favorite series of all the ones we've seen. I love Discovery. I am very sad to see it go. I understand the reason now that I've looked into it a little bit more. I completely understand why they're doing that. Um, And I I will be sad to see it go um, because I really enjoyed these characters. And I was there from day one. I was a supporter from the very first episode. So I feel very connected to that series. I'll be sad to see it go, but I will support whatever new series comes along to replace it. I'll be right there to support that. I supported every Star Trek that has come along because 
I feel the message of infinite diversity and infinite combinations is a very important message that acceptance and inclusivity has to be there. And, and it's very important whether you like the show or don't like the show. That's important. And that's what I'm there for. And that's what Star Trek tells us. So I think that whatever show they, they decide to give us, whether it's Section 31 or Starfleet Academy or Khan, whatever they decide to come up with, I will be there. And if I don't like it, I'll tell you, well, I didn't like this one, I didn't like that one, but I'm still going to support the show. So that's my spiel. Um, David, uh, did you want to add anything? You, you've been awful quiet. Oh, just listening and um, just kind of like agreeing, disagreeing as you guys go along. But I think everybody needs to go get a gold press donut. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yes, do- um, donuts are good. <laughs> but I do have to say one thing, though, that um, I, I did agree a lot with what you guys had been saying and stuff. But um, there have been instances where, to myself, a lot of the news that have been coming out I may not agree with but that's just my opinion and everything however the idea is that yes I do agree with like what Eric saying like they have to keep pushing something new otherwise it's why film it and just like what Captain Kirk would say you know if you're going to be sitting in the chair there's going to be risk involved so I think yep. what they're doing is that they're, they're doing the best they can. They can't please everybody. I understand all that. However, to me, there have been moments in Discovery that I do like. It may not be my favorite, but there's still each, every little bit counts, in my opinion. So that's pretty much all I want to say. And and uh, we'll, well, I'll go around and get our, some closing comments from everybody before we before we fly. And we'll start off with Paul. Paul, did you want to add anything to the conversation? Any closing comments before we wrap up the show? No, I think it's just uh, again, it's just you know we live in an age right now where you know the the least tolerant folks on social media tend to be the loudest, right? And uh, I don't know if anyone else besides me is a Wizard of Oz fan, right? But it's like, you know, when you finally get to the Emerald City, Oz, right, behind the curtain, he makes himself out like he's this gigantic being, and it's just some lame old dude in a bathrobe hiding behind the curtain. (laughs) All he's got is a – all he's got is a loud megaphone. Is social media pals, and unfortunately, the the loud folks on there, the ones who are the naysayers, the ones who are you know full of misogyny and homophobia and all that stuff. It's just a bunch of sad old dudes, you know, old being pretty subjective, sitting in their bathrobes complaining about stuff that they don't like. They're adding. It's not only that they're not adding anything to the conversation; they're not adding anything to the world. Is, you know, there's a couple ways you can approach reality. You can either be a positive person and talk about what you like, and try to build something, or you can be a negative person. You can tear something down. You can be somebody who's full of hate. You can be destructive. And that second example is not someone who contributes. It's someone who takes apart and dismantles. And that and so don't don't give these people as much credence 
don't uh, don't get don't pay much attention to them, right? They want to really be taken seriously. It's super important to them that they be seen as having influence, right? And I, I give toilet paper more influence, frankly. What I'm looking forward to is I I guarantee you my Star Trek sense is anything. There's going to be a deeper relationship between our good pal Saru and uh, President of Navarre, Tarina, in the in the seasons to come. I need a bedroom scene. I need to see those two consummating. I need to see them, uh, you know, showing real uh, romance between two totally different species who found commonality. What is more Star Trek than that? So. I don't know. I'm not mourning the show one iota. I think they've they've tried a lot of different things, and it's a very talented group. I'm super thrilled to see what they do with their last year. Something tells me they'll make the most of it. Absolutely, absolutely. And how about you, Eric? What do you? Any last words before we wrap things up? Uh, well, I'll just say that you know I'm the type person who does not feel like I need to live in the comfort zone all the time. So I actually kind of like being uncomfortable. And to me, Discovery was that series that would put me in the zone that I was maybe unfamiliar with uh, occasionally. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's good in this day and age to put yourself in scenarios where you you may feel completely connected with things, where you may be dealing with maybe never dealt with or, um, you know, looking at perspectives that you never felt before. And I feel like Discovery was the show that did um, So I, I just really hope that we get more Star Trek in the future that makes me uncomfortable, that makes me push my own limits of what it means to connect to other human beings around me. You know, I would like to see a show about binars myself. <laughs> well, well, Jim, I mean, like, like we joke, we joke a lot. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, because I get you, man, and like we joke a lot about that stuff. But like, right, like we all need a show things that like make us say, go, wait, wait. I don't, I don't totally get, it, but I'm willing to be open to understand it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I never felt so dumb in my life when I my Star Trek brain went right to a Star Trek thing and it couldn't have been any yeah. further from the truth. And, and you know, I'm not ashamed, I'm not ashamed to say that, um, nope. but it's true. So, all right. Well, how about you, Charles? Do you have anything you want to add before we wrap things up? Um. Uh... Just kind of taking a little on Paul's side. I'm just hoping that we don't get those loud fans getting us shows that aren't going to put us on the edge. They just want the simple comfort. It's like I don't. I agree with Eric. I don't want the comfort. I want it. I want the turnaround of dealing with something new. Look at the end of last season. Look at the. We're sitting there trying to communicate with a species that we can't communicate with. Oh, so good. we have to deal. We have to deal with a new way of communicating, and that puts Star Trek in the direction that we always loved, as it did something new. Absolutely, absolutely. And how about you, David? Do you want to add anything before we say good night? 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I kind of agree with Paul as well. The idea that, you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, people who are out there trying to get famous or, you know, just in general, trying to feel like they're not alone, I guess. But the idea is that Star Trek is very different for everybody. Everybody's not going to like it. Everybody's not going to love the one particular series, but it's it's definitely different to everybody who watches it. And it. I mean, there's all sorts of forms of life on this world as well. You know, we got people who are from different countries who find humor in a different spot. So it's just like, you know, not everybody's going to like uh, Lower Decks because of the humor. But yeah, it, it, it's just to me, I think Star Trek itself is going to have a lot of um a lot of things that they're gonna they're gonna have to do to try and see if they can get everybody on board, but it's gonna take a long time. And it probably won't happen in my lifetime, but who knows? It's gonna yeah, end never up becoming Yeah. But you it's, know, a, it's a process, so who knows? And I just wanted to add one thing I forget to mention earlier and that is I think Paul mentioned it, or maybe it was Eric, I'm not sure, but binge watching. One of the other points I forgot to mention when I was mentioning is that streaming services want bingeable shows. And a bingeable show, 10 episodes, three seasons, bingeable. And, you know, anything that goes longer than that, they don't consider bingeable. And they want shows that people can sit down and binge. Binge is the new, the new end, so... At any rate, um, you know, I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, letting you guys know that on Thursday night, same bat time, same bat channel, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 3, 17 seconds. And I want you to remember that Wednesday is the beheading day, okay? Beheadings are on Wednesdays, so remember that, okay? And uh, we'll be talking to you guys on Thursday about Star Trek Picard. I want to say thank you to Frank from Jersey City for giving us a call. We appreciate hearing from you guys. Thank you so much. And thank you so much to Paul for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Paul. Great idea for a show tonight, man. Thank you. You're very, very welcome. And also thank you to, to David for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, David. Yeah, you're welcome. It's been really fun. And thank you so much to our own Charles for calling in from his dentist. Thank you, Charles. <laughs> Thank you. I got past the dentist, but I had to get out of the chair and get home first before I could call in. So glad I could <laughs> well, make it. Thank you so much. And thank you to Eric for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Eric. Oh, we lost Eric. That's okay. Thank you so much, Eric. And I just want to say to everybody, please stay safe and be good to each other. And always remember, Star Trek fans are the best fans. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Perfect. Good night. All right, then. Everybody ready? Yes, yes Captain. Captain. Let's fly.
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.